Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Some clarity in the postseason picture as we approach the final days of the baseball season. The Dodgers hammered Colorado 10-1 on Friday night, while Tampa Bay defeated Houston 7-3. So L.A. has clinched home field advantage throughout the postseason. Meanwhile, Tampa, with their victory, clinched a wild card spot in the American League. Seattle defeated Oakland 2-1, clinching their first playoff berth since 2001. With Seattle's victory, Baltimore was eliminated from playoff contention despite a 2-1 win over the Yankees. The marquee matchup of the night saw Atlanta beat up Jacob DeGrom and the Mets 5-2. Those teams are now tied atop the National League East with five games remaining. In college football, UCLA upset number 15 Washington 40-32. Boise State mollywop San Diego State 35-13. In the NFL, Chargers receiver Keenan Allen will miss Sunday's game against Houston with a hamstring injury. Patriots quarterback Mac Jones will miss the Green Bay game with a high ankle sprain. I'm Kevin Figures. That's right. You heard the man. It's that time of week. My name is Bernie Frano. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Pack show tonight. College football is in full swing. We'll have a heavy dose in about 15 minutes. We'll be joined by the best Michigan football insider I know. We go back to 1994. Dennis Fithian will join us as Michigan kicks off here in a little over 12 hours. Uh, check that. Check that. About 10 hours. Uh, they head to Kinnick to face off against the Iowa Hawkeyes, a couple of undefeated teams. Michigan's been pretty impressive this year, averaging 50 points a game. It is, however, 
the first road tilt, the first road start for J.J. McCarthy. Jim Harbaugh as a player and as a coach has never won in Iowa. But that Iowa offense, I don't know if it could score in a house of will repute with a fistful of 50, so we might be looking at a pretty good defensive struggle. But we're going to get to that in about 15 minutes, and we're also going to get to college football's week four winners and losers. We are in October. If you're in the right time zone right now, and in about an hour we'll be in October in the West Coast, there are a lot of developing college football stories as we head into October. I will share a lot of those with you. There's some intriguing games that I'm very much interested in. And by the way, uh, we and, we, and certainly we'll, later in the show, we will take a hard look at some of the top 25 matchups and our, our thoughts on those and, and analyze them as well. And then the midnight hour, as I've mentioned before, over the years in this time slot, they have taken phone calls. And I want to honor that tradition. And uh, last week we did it for the first time and it went pretty well, I thought. So, uh, you know, fired up at midnight, 877-99 on Fox. All right. I want to st- start out by looking back this earlier this week because uh, obviously since we signed off, there's been a couple of NFL games that have already gotten under the – well, well, there was one Monday and one last night, but I really want to talk about the one last night. By the way, did you know heading into Thursday, before Thursday, Tua Tagovailoa in his last 10 starts was 9-1. and one. For the Dolphins, nine and one with a passer rating of 100.3. I've always been a Tua fan. I've stuck with him, and and for I've given reasons why. Last night is last night left some indelible images that most of us don't forget soon. The game is played by human beings, and I get it. Cincinnati saved themselves from an early season meltdown. They won the game 27 to 15. The Dolphins have been red hot. All I kept hearing is. Well, they played nine. The defense played ninety plays last week, and that's that kind of you know you know folks. You know it's against the law to practice psychology without a license. These are NFL players. That defense looked pretty good. I, as a matter of fact, I think if, and I know they got B little in the second half, but I think when Tua went down, it just took the wind out of their sails. And it's not just that he went down the way he went down, but Miami was pretty hot heading into the game. They're now three and one since he's now two and two. But see, that's not what folks are talking about today. None of it seemed to really matter after Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, his well, his head bounced off the ground and ricocheted off the turf in the second quarter for the second time in five days, and it was really a very scary night for this this young man who I think a lot of who I, you could certainly make the case he maybe should not have been playing anyway. He left the game on a stretcher, and I cannot unsee that unsightly picture of his left hand. We now have learned a medical term, posturing. And you know what I'm talking about. He says he's okay, and I'm glad, and I hope he recovers fully and quickly, and I'm not sure what's next or how soon. See, these things, I covered an NFL team for 10 years. These things are very complicated. And I know the last regime didn't want Tua. And Mike McDaniel and company, well, they've given Tua their seal of approval. So it's complicated because a young man wants to hang out and doesn't want to be a Wally Pip. But at what cost? And I think you could... You could certainly note that Tua stayed in Sunday's win over Buffalo after suffering what sure as hell looked like a concussion, a head injury. He, he staggered on his feet afterward, another visual we can't really get out of our minds. And I don't know what happened there. You know, Miami seems to have dotted all their I's and crossed all their T's and checked all their boxes, and he passed all the protocols. But visually, I got to tell you, it doesn't, 
it doesn't pass the test visually. Sports fans are, are now more experienced and more knowledgeable than ever. And I've been doing this since 1994. Sports fans have more access to information than ever before. I guess if, it, if it's appropriate, I guess you could say sports fans are really experienced now, more so than ever. And there's nothing like experience. I mean, you may have heard the story about the old, the two cowpokes out in the middle of a, out in the middle of the prairie. And the old cowpoke looks at the young cowpoke and says, son, you know, there's nothing like experience. You show me a man with experience and he can tell you the lay of the land and what's up ahead sometimes just by putting his ear to the ground. Sure enough, they look up 50 yards due north and there's a, a third cowpoke. He's got his ear to the ground. So they approach him and said, what do you know, fella? What's up ahead? He says, well, up ahead, due, due north about 600 yards, there are two white horses pulling a stagecoach, husband and wife, uh, two kids in the back. And by the way, they're towing a piano as well. See that, son? See, there's a man with experience. Ear to the ground, he knows what's up ahead. The young kid says, that's amazing, mister. How do you know that? He says, because they just ran me over about 10 minutes ago. That's what experience teaches you. The more you see it, the more you know what you're looking at. And if you heard Jason and Mike last night, they were quite passionate and quite articulate as it was happening that something just doesn't look right here. And so they explain it away as a back issue. Now, I'm not going to go into the full protocol concussion you know, policy and how to a situation has been handled. But all I know is I couldn't enjoy the game after that. And I would say, for whatever reason, the prime video broadcast, they insisted on showing the replay of Tua getting injured over and over and over again. So this is a saga that's a little ugly. And all I want to know is it, there was supposed to be some investigation last Sunday after Sunday's game. Investigation involving who, what, where, what. Can you give us some details on that? Because it, it was, should he have been playing while the investigation's going on? I don't know. There's a lot of I don't knows. It just feels like there this book's missing a chapter. Now, I understand whatever protocol took place because the situation optically looks so ugly has to be called into question. Has to be. The NFLPA has already requested the investigation late Sunday. I just mentioned that. And what I'm trying to get at here is how did Tua's injury against the Bills, how was it actually handled in terms of the investigation? And the fact that Tua was playing on a road game four days later and the same thing happened, it would seem to me that's going to trigger multiple inquiries. The good news, Tua was discharged from the hospital Thursday night. He even flew back to Miami. He's even thanked folks on Twitter. And uh, basically, Mike McDaniel, coach of the Dolphins, did say Tua did suffer a concussion uh, Thursday night. All right. If I continue to speak on this matter, I will just be speaking in circles because the more we know, the more we realize we don't know. But I hope there are answers. Because when you hear these vacuous platitudes, we're all about player safety. Yeah. When every time you say that, it's got all the credibility of a dermatologist with acne. Don't tell me, show me. This is scary stuff. We hear the word concussion. Concussion is a bruise on the brain. Your brain slams against your skull and it gets bruised. And for all the medical advances we made, we don't know a hell of a lot about the brain. And if you get in, you start stacking concussions on top of each other, we're talking about something that could be fatal. I'm not suggesting that 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 rose to the level with Tua, but you know you don't know these things. You don't know what can happen. 
You know, I, I think I who was it the other day that said, uh, I think it was Carson Palmer said, someone's going to die in the field. What do you mean? Somebody already has. Chuck Hughes, the Detroit Lions, dropped dead on the field in 1970. It's a violent, ter- it's a crazy game, man. I've seen it up close and personal. I covered it for 10 years in Detroit. All right, let's move on. The other game that was played Monday night, and I want to give them their due because I'm always riding Mike McCarthy like a rented mule. How about them Cowboys? They held off the Giants 23-16 to uh, Monday night, and uh, the Cowboys quarterback Cooper Rush, again, back into the spotlight after Dak Prescott's injury, he held his own. And Dallas and the Cowboys played complimentary football. Cooper Rush held his own. The defense took care of the rest. The Dallas defense recorded five sacks. They hit Daniel Jones, the Giants quarterback, more than Rocky Balboa. By the way, Jones has been sacked 13 times in three games. That's not good. But one positive for the Giants, Saquon Barkley starts to look like the old version again. He had a a nice highlight run, touchdown run, but they didn't muster a lot of drives. But on the other side of the ball, Cooper Rush, he went 21 of 31 for 215 yards and a touchdown. And believe it or not, Cooper Rush is 3 and 0 as the starter in the National Football League. And uh, you know, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, they were they were a nice one-two punch. CD Lamb redeemed himself. He caught the go-ahead touchdown pass with about 8 minutes to go in the game. And you know, what I mean by redeeming himself is he was set to be a punchline. He had that terrible drop early, wide open. But he did, C.D. Lamb did finish with 87 yards on eight receptions. So give it up to you, C.D. Lamb fans. Uh, look, I'm not changing my opinion on the Cowboys. I still think they max at 10 wins and probably go under that. You, you'll see. You'll see. The Cowboys are one of those classic organizations where when all the expectations are on them, they do things that confound you. When people forget about them or they become an afterthought or all of a sudden no one's talking about them getting to the Super Bowl, then all of a sudden they look they, they look pretty good. They beat Cincinnati. Then, they, they of course, they, they beat the Giants, who may, might be a fugazi. They, they don't look good. They don't look good at all. So, look, the NFL is a week-to-week league. It, it, it really is. And, and so you can only glean so much uh, – in terms of what happened last week doesn't necessarily mean what happened last week is an indicator of what's going to happen next week. Often, Oftentimes it's the opposite. So we'll see what Dallas can do now all of a sudden that they are, uh, you know, they're back in sort of a, a favorable conversation. But let's face it, Philadelphia, for my money, is the odds-on favorite to win that division. And I don't think there's there's much argument there. They're loaded, and I think the I always liked Jalen Hurts. I never envisioned that he would be this kind of a prototypical NFL quarterback who can not only operate from the pocket, but keep plays alive with his feet. More importantly, he makes phenomenal decisions with the football and executes. Nick Sirianni's done a great job. They add A.J. Brown. That Philadelphia team looks for real. And I, to complete tip of the cap to Jalen Hurts. We're going to have heavy, heavy, heavy college football from here on out. A lot of stuff to talk about. By the, by the way, do you know there's an, a live tournament going on in Bangkok? Might have an interesting update later in the show. Uh, there may be a denouement of sorts between the LIV tour and the PGA tour, but it's in the news, and we want to cover all the stories. Coming up, Dennis Fithian will join us from Ann Arbor, Michigan, the belly of the beast, guy I've worked with since 1994. He's one of my top insiders, and we'll talk Michigan football. We'll get his thoughts and see if they're for real 
what he expects to happen at Iowa Saturday and beyond. And I'll have you, I'll have him take you behind the curtain as to Jim Harbaugh's decision making and how the whole quarterback competition, I say in air quotes, uh, played out this past August. Hey, football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Saturday and Sunday morning, every Saturday and Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff. Tune in Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern and Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern as we take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app presented by BetMGM. I'm Bernie Fratto. Follow me at Bernie Fratto on Twitter, at Bernie Fratto on Twitter. I'm coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio TireRack.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. We're back on the Bernie Fratter Show. Coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio. Tyrac.com studios. Follow me on Twitter at Bernie Fratter. Let's welcome in a gentleman at this time. We go back to 94. Worked together at WTK 1050 in Ann Arbor. Flagship of the Michigan Wolverines. Worked together at 97.1 FM Detroit, flagship of the Lions. We did pre and post together, and I consider this gentleman not only a Michigan historian, but a true Michigan insider. Joining us from Ann Arbor, Michigan, say hello to Dennis Fithian. Dennis, how are you, buddy? Yeah, pretty good. It's good to be on the Bernie Fratto Show, Bernie. Dennis, it's good to have you. We talked over the summer. This was the plan, that Michigan would be undefeated, Iowa would be undefeated. Heading into Kinnick, we both know uh, Jim Harbaugh never won there as a player. Michigan hasn't won there since 2005. Before we get to that, though, share with the fans what was the big story in Michigan football, and I say this in air quotes, the quarterback competition between Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. Well, if you go back to the spring, you know, J.J. McCarthy was a really highly rated quarterback coming out of uh, high school, but he was uh, banged up in the spring and he wasn't able to compete. So, you know, Michigan went into fall camp with uh, the two guys competing, but because of the, the ease of the first three games that they had, Jim Harbaugh came out, and everybody knows by now they saw the the plan when he said, well, we're going to start Kate McNamara, who started last year for the Big Ten Championship for the first time Michigan won it in 17 years, and they're going to have J.J. McCarthy start game two, and then they were going to go from there. So, uh, you know, battle royale for the first two games for Michigan, a little bit unusual, but uh, anybody that watched Michigan play those uh, first two games, and you didn't have to be a, a genius to evaluate everything. You saw McCarthy 
uh, clearly uh, outplayed him. And, and also, the young kid is, uh, is the quarterback now, and everything was going fantastic for him for those first three games. But then last week against Maryland, a little bit uh, shaky in the first half. I think the speed of the game needed for, uh, he needed to feel a little bit of that kick up that you know he got even against Maryland. And you know now he's going to have his uh, first start on the road against Iowa, which is a tough place to play. So it's uh, uh, it, it was talked about all summer and fall, and you know here it is. This is, this was going to be the first real test for Michigan. It's coming up in a, just a couple hours. So uh, we're talking with Dennis Fifteen, director of multimedia for Michigan Rivals Ann Arbor. Uh, we go back to '94. Dennis, uh, you uh, just set the lead right there. Uh, JJ McCarthy. It's not only Michigan's first game on the road; it's his first start on the road, heading into Kinnick, which has been a tough place for Michigan. But Michigan's averaging 50 points a game. I was averaging 17. Give me your thoughts heading into that game and what your expectations are. Yeah, I don't think any of those numbers. I mean, it, this is always one of the tricky things that you get when you you come out and you're just playing the first game or two of your conference schedule. If you haven't played anyone, neither of these teams have really been tested. And I mean, Michigan, it's uh, you know the the first three games were so easy. You know, it allowed them to do a, a bunch of different things, including this uh, this quarterback uh, competition that they had. But you know. Uh, Iowa played Iowa State, and Iowa State lost a top 25 game last week. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for the team that's a little bit more, I guess, battle-tested, you know, it would be the Hawkeyes. But I'm throwing most of those numbers out the window. I do think that Michigan has a pretty good offense. I don't know if they're going to score. I don't think they're going to score 50 points every game. Uh, and, I, and I do think that Iowa has a, a good defense and I don't think Iowa, I mean, if you go back to last year, they don't have much of an offense. No. I mean, they've got a, a very poor offense, and so they're going to have to get turnovers. Uh, they're going to rely on that and their crowd. And so if Michigan's pretty easy to game plan, uh, it's easy for us to talk about sitting here. But if they, if they just go in there and don't turn the ball over, you know, they should be able to outscore Iowa. I think that's the story of the game. So, Dennis, a couple of storylines here. First of all, it wasn't that long ago. Iowa lost to Michigan in the Big Ten Conference Championship game, 42-3 to as an 11-point underdog in a neutral. What are you hearing from the Iowa side, how much they remember that game and have a little revenge motivation on their mind? Yeah, well, a lot of the players are doing exactly that. They're going back and saying things like, you know, Michigan ran the score up. I mean, it was a, it was a, a championship game. So, you know, uh, Kirk Ferentz, I listened to him this week talking about that, and he said he's not using that, but... You know, you use anything you, you you can. I mean, get yourself fired up for this one if they think getting beat by you know, 39 points in the Big Ten championship game and they've got revenge in their mind. You know, that's good. I think from the Iowa side, it's the same thing. I mean, they've been running the same offense and defense, you know, since uh, before we knew each other. I mean, back you know, <laughs> in the 80s, everybody, really, Big Ten Network always plays the – the Iowa Classic game, it's always the 1985 right. number one versus, one versus two. two. Yeah. Yeah, they always play that one, and, you know, they're still running the same offense. And, you know, that can, you know, you can laugh, you can do anything, but one thing that you do is you get down to 2022, and you're not used to that. If you're another team that's coming in and thinking offense, throw the football down the field, Iowa's coming out there with a – with a fullback and, and the tempo where they're trying to drain the clock. And, 
Yeah, you know, it does uh, scrunch the game down where it's uh, it's important. You get a, you know, you're used to scoring 50 points, and suddenly they're uh, they're in the first quarter and they're taking the game clock down to three. You know, it's a it's a different of tempo thing. So uh, it, it it's it can be difficult to play against. But I, I think that's what I was that's what they're hoping for. You know, the I think the other thing the the, the, the Hawkeyes are going to rely on. And in addition to the revenge factor, is that they're going to tell their guys that the last uh, six times that they have had uh, top five teams come into Kinnick State. That's right. Uh, Michigan's number four. They're five and one, including yes, Michigan back in 2016. So they're going to say uh, this is where top five teams come to die. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll play that up. I mean, that's those are the two things that they, that you can use along. So the third thing would be their crowd that that they can say that, that they have going for them uh, in this game. They, they're used to springing a lot of upsets there. Dennis, as you know, we're talking with Dennis Fithian. Uh, Dennis, as you know, uh, you can't have a football conversation or a sports conversation these days on the air without invoking the sports betting angle. And one of the things, and Michigan's currently laying 10, 10 and a half points, depending on where you shop, but college football home dogs like Iowa – who won 10 or more games the previous season, and they find themselves a 10-point underdog at home the following season, 4-0 against the spread. So Michigan, I do expect to win the game, but winning by a margin of 10 or more might be a, a different conversation. What are your thoughts on that part of it? Yeah, well, before I see the win tomorrow and, you know, and so I'll do this tomorrow as well. I always think, oh, well, what would I put the line at? What do I think the score is going to be? And when I was, you know, walking around after last week's game, I thought, you know, I think seven, seven and a half sounds about right. And I'm thinking about 20 to 10. And then, you know, it came out seven and a half, moved up pretty quickly to 10, 11 points. Uh, you know, in the end, I'm, I'm picking it 23 uh, 14. I like a lower score, but, you know, there's a lot of money came in on that under. I, I think that, uh, you know, for me, it looks way too close. When you have a low, you know, you're going to have a lower-scoring game. Uh, to me, this looks like uh, it's going to be right around the number, right that's around right. double digits. So, yeah. you know, that's one where I would say, uh, unless I was thinking, oh, I think Michigan's going to blow them out. I don't think that. And I didn't think right. that earlier in the week. I don't think it right now. So, I, you know, this one, to me, is going to be too close to call when you, you, know, you add in the 10.5 or whatever points. So we got about a minute to go. By the way, the total is 42, 42 and a half. Ooh, there's another narrative. Right. Yeah, there's another narrative, Dennis, and that is Michigan did beat Ohio State last year. But the, you know, groupthink echo chambers, well, it was a fluke. The planets lined up. Ohio State's defense had the flu. It was rainy. I understand Michigan's got an even bigger chip on their shoulder than the Ohio State Buckeyes when they travel to Columbus after Thanksgiving that they want to prove last year was no fluke. Speak to that. Well, I, I think, you know, it, it had been you know 17 years since Michigan won the Big Ten, but they put themselves in position to, you know, get to Indianapolis, but everything ran through Ohio State, and they just couldn't, uh, you know, slay that dragon until last year. So, you know, it's it just – where the facts are at. I mean, Ohio State's been dominant, and you just look at it this year. It's Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. So if Michigan wants to be in the conversation, they're sitting there at four. 
But clearly there's a line between those three, and then there's the next group, wherever you want to put it, from, from Michigan to Clemson and, uh, you know, wherever you want to put that line. But, you know, the story for Michigan is they, uh, the late Beano Cook would love this schedule for Michigan. Three easy games in the non-conference. Their only road games this year, uh, later today in Iowa, they go to Indiana next week. You know, that's no uh, hornet's nest or anything. They go to Rutgers, where they usually will bring more Michigan fans to Piscataway than they uh, than anything else. And then the last game of the season that sets up at Ohio State. So what I'm saying to you is that you could go out there, you couldn't ask for or put together a better schedule to be 11-0 and go to, out down to Ohio State. Do something they haven't done since we're talking about, you know, the last time and everything since 2000, and that's win at Ohio State and win back-to-back down in Columbus. But, you know, they have that kind of team. That's the idea. Well, they've got this quarterback, and so it's a long ways away, but that's what that's what the goal is here for Michigan. I mean, they're, they at least put themselves in position to talk about starting out October that, hey, uh, they're a top-five team, and, you know, they think they can defend the Big Ten title. They think that they can be – uh, another uh, make another trip to the college football playoff. That's a long ways away, but that's the idea. And they make their first uh, road trip since last November, so it really starts today. And of course, you, you'll have Penn State, Michigan State. We'll vote on that as well. So we'll see. But Dennis, great stuff. Have fun Saturday. We'll talk this week. All right, Charlie, great being on, Bernie. Take care, Dennis. We'll talk soon. Thanks, pal. It's Dennis Fithian. We go way back. He's right in the belly of the beast there in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and. Uh, We'll see how Michigan handles their first major test at Kinnick Stadium at Iowa. The, the Wolverines have not won there since 2005. Jim Harbaugh never won there as a player or coach. And we'll talk a little bit more about this game later in the show as well. Coming up, thanks to Hurricane Ian, if you're going to bet this weekend, make sure you know your sportsbook rules. That, among other things, I will explain. But first, let's go to the Mr. Molly Wap himself, Kevin Figures. All right, Bernie, getting some clarity in the postseason picture for Major League Baseball as we approach the final five days of the regular season. Dodgers all over Colorado Friday night, 10-1, while Tampa Bay defeated Houston 7-3. L.A. clinching hope for the advantage throughout the postseason. Meanwhile, Tampa, with their victory, clinched a wild card spot in the American League. Seattle defeating Oakland 2-1 in walk-off fashion. They clinched their first playoff berth since 2001. With Seattle's victory, Baltimore was eliminated from playoff contention despite a 2-1 victory over the Yankees. The marquee matchup of the night saw Atlanta beat up Jacob DeGrom and the Mets 5-2. The teams are now tied atop the NL East with five games remaining. College football, UCLA upset number 15, Washington 40-32. Boise State did mollywop San Diego State 35-13. Threw one in there, in there for you, Bernie. Some I NFL, love it. Some NFL injury news before we toss it back to you. Chargers receiver Keenan Allen going to miss yet another game, this time against Houston with that hamstring injury. Patriots quarterback Mac Jones will miss his first game, this time against Green Bay with a high ankle sprain. Back to Bernie Fratto. Kevin, thanks so much, buddy. I got you, brother. All righty. So Hurricane Ian uh, and thoughts and prayers to all the good folks in Florida. I have actually friends in Fort Myers. They're okay. But, boy, you don't like to see that. Um, The world does go on. Life goes on. Sports go on. Uh, And if you are betting uh, this weekend, which millions of you are, it's now more important to know your sportsbook rules than ever. Read them. They vary from sportsbook to sportsbook. A game, I mean, COVID seems to be behind us now, but games were canceled, moved. Anytime there's been weather issues, 
sometimes a game can be moved to a different city, can be moved to a different day of the week. This is where you've got to know your sportsbook rules because every sportsbook is different, but the rules are right there for you and they're going to enforce them. You see, let's say you're, you're, you've bet one of these games that is either played in Florida or South Carolina or is in danger of having some sort of alteration to their schedule. Some books, it's action no matter what. No matter when they play it, how they play it, where they play it, what time, your action counts. Some, your ticket's voided no matter what if there's any changes. Or you might have a sports book that will have a rule where the game must be played within 24 hours of the scheduled date or within 100 miles of the scheduled uh, location. Or you might have a situation where as long as the game is still played within what's considered college football week game, well, college football week five, which would be Tuesday through Monday, you've still got action. Or an NFL week, Thursday through Wednesday, let's say, for instance, they couldn't have played in Tampa, but they moved it till Tuesday, which, or Wednesday, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden Kansas City, Tampa's moved. As long as it was within that NFL week, you still might have action again. That book might have that rule and another one might not. So, But if the venue changes and you have a situation where the home away designation is reversed, sometimes bets placed on the original listing will be canceled. So there's a lot to unpack there. You know, some books, no, no, no problem. The action's good. No problem. It's void. Tear the ticket up. Or no, don't. Wait, wait. Let me retract that. Never tear a ticket up. Take it back into the book, and you, you'll get your book refunded if, if the action is voided, if, if the rules say, say as much, okay? Or if the games play within 24 hours, or you get it, 100 miles. All of those variables, read your sportsbook rules so you, you don't get stuck looking on the outside in. By the way, people do throw their tickets out, and if for any reason you ever do something silly like that, go back to the sportsbook, and what you can do is give them the exact play you made, the rotation numbers, the day, and get as close to the time as you can, and the amount you bet. You'll fill out a form. You'll show your ID, and they will find that bet typically on their computer system within minutes. And when they do, they'll lock it so no one, if that ticket turns up somewhere else, can collect the bet. And typically within 60 days, you can come in and collect. So all is not lost. Uh, some interesting doings. We're going to have a little potpourri here. You know, if the season ended today in the NFL, it doesn't just so you know the Jacksonville Jaguars the Jacksonville Jaguars would be AFC South champions and they'd be a number two playoff seed so I have one question for you would that be urban renewal oh no who writes this stuff I'm here all weeks folks don't try to don't forget to try the semi-boneless spaghetti how about those Las Vegas Raiders Yes, I will be at the game. I got a credential for Sunday's game against Denver. The Raiders are 0-3, and they're favored by 2.5. Careful of that game. We're going to get to it later, and I'll break it down. But what if I told you since 1989, only 35 teams have been winless heading into game four, and yet they were still a favorite of two or more points? It's happened about 35 times in the last 35 years, and the teams who were favored when they were 0-3 11 and 23 against the spread. That's only 32%, and only 14 and 21 straight up. This Denver defense should spook you if you're a Raider fan. I'll get to it a little more later in the show. Parity is the order of the day in the National Football League this year so far. Did you know that 18 games 
have already been decided by three points or less. 25 games decided by six points or less. That is a new NFL record. Yes, parity. By the way, 27 teams, well, this was heading into Thursday, were either 2-1 and one or 1-2. One and two. 27 teams were only 2-1 and one or 1-2. One or there was only one winless team after week three. That hasn't happened since 1959. That's, of course, the aforementioned Raiders. And now there's only one undefeated team left. By the way, Sean McVay, he continues to own the Arizona Cardinals, the Rams. His, the Rams coach, he improves his record against the NFC West Cardinals. to uh, They're now 11-1 against the Cardinals following Sunday's 20-12 triumph. Sean McVay, Aaron Rodgers talks about how he owns the Bears, and he kind of does. Sean McVay very much owns the Arizona Cardinals. Switching to baseball real quickly. Really looking forward to the playoffs, and we will be talking about them uh, on, on these shows because uh, I think it's a more of a wide-open tournament than people realize, but you, you could always still end up getting that classic Dodgers-Yankees. And if you had a chance to watch the Uncivil War 30 for 30, oh, my goodness, it was fabulous. Uh, but here's what I wanted to share with you. The Los Angeles Dodgers, what do they got, 107, 108 wins right now? Some, somewhere along those lines. The Dodgers, they crossed the 100-win barrier this season for the 10th time in franchise history. So for the 10th time in franchise history, the Dodgers will finish the season having won more than 100 games in the regular season. Here's the only problem. Every single time the Dodgers have done that, won 100 games in the regular season or more, They've never won the World Series in the same season where they've won 100 games in the regular season. Just a little food for thought there. By the way, as we all watch with bated breath to see if Aaron Judge hits his 60-second home run, something you might want to put your pipe in smoke. Before September, before September rolled around, we're now basically officially into October, but before the month of September throughout the season, Aaron Judge was walked about once every nine at-bats. In the month of September, Aaron Judge was walked once every 3.9 at-bats. Coincidence? Well, if you peel back the onion just a little bit, you might be interested to find out that when Aaron Judge was walked and while he found himself in scoring position, this is games through Thursday, Yankees hitters were only 4 for 51 in that stretch. So, hey, if you're in a close game, there's no shame in walking Aaron Judge. If you're trying to win a game... And it's got implications. Make the other Yankee hitters beat you. So far, they haven't necessarily shown they can do that. Coming up, a couple games that really intrigue me heading into this weekend. One's a college game, and the other is an NFL game. Top of the hour, we'll take your calls at midnight hour. We'll dive into college football week four winners and losers. Some very interesting storylines developing. I'm Bernie Frado coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrock.com Studios. Follow me on Twitter, at Bernie Fratto. Stick and stay. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You, you throw that out. You throw that out. These are The teams are both different now. They're the same, but they're different. Here's the second clincher. 4-0 teams that are football favorites in their first road game. They're only 1-7 against the number since 1980. So Michigan... We'll see what happens, but I'm not betting that game. All right, the other game that I'm intrigued, everybody thinks the Raiders are just going to show up and win just because they're 3-0 and and they're better than they think they are. I don't think so. The teams they've lost to are 3-6 and cumulatively, and the only wins the three teams they lost to, their only wins are against the Raiders. They lost to the Chargers, the Broncos, or check that, they lost to Chargers, Arizona, and uh, and. Goodness gracious. Okay. Well, they lost three games to teams that have uh, – those are the only games they won. So we'll see what happens. Now, let's break down the numbers. Denver has 290 more total yards and than against its opponents this season, despite the fact the offense has only scored 43 points. But it seems to – they're figuring things out after that opening night debacle at Seattle. What speaks volumes is Denver's defense, okay? They had a bit of a sluggish start, but now the Broncos find themselves tied with the Chiefs. They have an excellent pass rush, and they forced that Jimmy Garoppolo safety you saw. And that was the only time a team had won in the NFL 11-10 in history. So on the Raiders' side of the ball, again, they're 0-3. They're the only team to be 0-3 in the league. The Raiders, new coach, new OC. They're not on the same page. They don't look good. Their offensive line grades out 31st. And I will say this, you know, the Cardinals game, you you give up a 20-point lead and and – the three teams they lost to are combined 8-20 and 20 against the spread in those spots since 1987. So this is a black eye. I will tell you this. If you're going to play this game, I think you more look to taking the points than laying the points. We shall see. Coming up, college football, week four, winners and losers. Keep it locked right here. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the, the Tyrac.com Fox Sports Radio Studios home runs off of Jacob deGrom to notch a 5-2 victory. New York and Atlanta are tied atop the NL East standings with five games remaining. Seattle got a walk-off home run from Cal Rally to pick up a 2-1 win over Oakland and more importantly to clinch their first playoff berth in 21 years. Elsewhere, Tampa Bay hammered Houston 7-3, clinching their fourth straight playoff appearance. The Houston loss meant the Dodgers clinched home field advantage throughout the playoffs. L.A. curb stomp Colorado 10-1. The NFL Patriots quarterback Mac Jones is out for Sunday's game against Green Bay with a high ankle sprain. Bears running back Jordan Montgomery will miss the game against the Giants with ankle and knee injuries. In college football, UCLA defeated number 15 Washington 40-32 as Dorian Thompson-Robinson threw two touchdown passes and rushed for another. Wins for Boise State, UNLV, and Tulane. I'm Kevin Figures. Yep, yep, that's right. You heard the man. It's that time of week. My name is Bernie Fratter. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios. Tyrac.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, 
Fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Heavy, heavy college football. There are nine teams I think I will put in the winner category and seven in the loser category. Let me start by saying I'm not putting Clemson in either one. But rank number five, they had an efficient drive to win 51-45 to against number 16 Wake Forest last week. Here's where I'll give them props. DJ Ugalele, I never can pronounce his name right, DJ. He battled it with, uh, you know, Wake Forest, Sam Hartman. They both lit it up. Here's the issue. Clemson faces more issues on defense than on offense because they could not. Wake Forest did whatever they wanted. Let's just face it. Sam Hartman and that uh, that Dave Clawson offense did whatever they wanted. This is not Brent, Brent Venable's defense at Clemson anymore. The Tigers have a very inexperienced secondary. They don't have a deep secondary. It's the weakest link. They've given up over 250 yards through the air for the third game in the row. And guess what? Look who's on deck Saturday. North Carolina State, and North Carolina State's got a very potent passing attack behind their own quarterback, Devin Leary, not to be confused with Dennis Leary or Timothy Leary. If the offense puts together another strong performance, I mean, I'm talking about Clemson, and the defense starts to rebound against what I consider to be a pretty elite offense. Remember, North Carolina State's 11th. Clemson was ranked 16th. I will say this. Uh, if Clemson wins, in, regardless of how they do it, I'll say they're very worthy of their top five ranking, but this does not look like those really dominant Clemson Dabble Swinney teams of the past. These are the winners, I believe. Tennessee, give it up to the Vols. I love it when the Vols do well, go rocky top. It's just good for college football. They've had many years of futility. They beat Florida, a big rival, 38-33. to And that what that does is that puts a lot of wind in their sails. Uh, they got a second-year coach, a former quarterback at Oklahoma, Josh Heupel. He has done fantastic work with Hendon, uh, Hendon Hooker, who's who's becoming a quarterback. That's a bit of a game-breaker. Uh, he didn't do well against Virginia Tech, but he's throwing 39 touchdowns against only three interceptions since he arrived in Knoxville, and he threw for 349 and two scores against the Gators. Uh, this is a big win for Tennessee. They'd only beaten Florida once. Uh, in the last 17 years. Ohio State, I'm going to put them in the winner's category. Okay? Wisconsin's defense was supposed to test the Buckeyes, who are currently ranked number third, and quarterback C.J. Stroud. I'm not sure right now there's a defense that can really slow this offensive, this offense for Ohio State down. Okay? The Badgers couldn't even force him to punt until midway through the third quarter. And C.J. Stroud threw for a little over 280. Travion Henderson runs for 121 yards. Ohio State's got a tight end named Cade Stover. He caught a couple of touchdown passes. Before the seats were warm, it was 28-0. Buckeyes, they just destroyed Wisconsin, 52-21. to Yes, Ohio State's offense is scary, officially. They're in the winner's column. i got to put USC in the winner's column they, until they prove me wrong. They forced four more turnovers. They get some late heroics from their quarterback transfer, Caleb Williams, and their wide receiver transfer from Pitt, Jordan Anderson. And SC is number seven. They, they, they beat Oregon State. I told you, it's always tough on Corvallis. They've been tripped up there even during the Reggie Bush years, uh, the Matt Leinart years. But SC beats Oregon State 17-14 to 14 to remain unbeaten. It's still Lincoln Riley. He's not, never lost as a USC Trojan head coach. Here's the kicker. Here's why you got to put USC in the winner column. 
They were down 14-10 to 10 with under five minutes left, and the Trojans then finally took the lead uh, when uh, Jordan Addison, he's a transfer from Pitt, he catches a touchdown pass from Caleb Williams, a transfer from Oklahoma, and, and it, it, that was the culmination of an 11-play, 84-yard drive with all the pressure in the world in a tough road spot. And so USC gets three easy wins to get started, but now they, they, they were in a fist fight in a phone booth with what I consider to be a very legitimate program, a legitimate par five opponent in Oregon State, especially up there in Corvallis. Uh, the offense sputtered for USC. That's a bit of a concern, but at the end of the year, when it comes to wins, they don't ask how, just how many. And as long as USC keeps winning, and if there's a if there's a weakness, if there's a kink in the armor somewhere there, well, we'll see. It's not easy to continue keep winning. Uh, just ask Washington. But uh, I I would just I would more give a tip of the cap to Oregon State than than pick on USC because when you win, you win, you win. Um, Kansas. I talked about this last week. People, it's funny how people go on the air. They call him Lance Leipold. That means you know what you're talking about. His name's Lance Leipold. Lance Leipold might be one of the best coaches in the country, and Kansas is the best story in college football. Continues. Sorry, Kansas stays unbeaten. They beat Duke 35 to 27. Another red hot performance from their quarterback Jalen Daniels. He's look. If this kid keeps this up, why not mention him in the Heisman Trophy contention race? He deserves it. 19 to 23 for 324. He also ran for 83 yards and five. He accounted for five touchdowns. Jalen Daniels has accounted for 15 touchdowns this year, just one turnover. And he is Lance Leipold's project, and he's coming through like a big time, you know, a prospect who's becoming a, a really great game breaker type player who can elevate his whole team. And he's the numbers certainly back that, right? Now the Kansas Jayhawks. They're headed for bowl eligibility, and Leipold becomes one of the hottest coaches on the market. I've talked about this. I'll probably revisit it again. I don't know if he ends up in Nebraska, but I'll tell you what he won seven championships at Wisconsin Whitewater. We'll give his resume again uh, down the road, but he's he's been incredible wherever he's been. I'm talking about Lance Leipold, the head coach at Kansas. All right, I'll do this. I'll hold my nose and do this. I'll put Texas A&M in the winner's column because they were facing basically elimination from the SEC in the playoff race. So what does A&M do? They salvage an acceptable September, barely acceptable. They, they they had a rough go of it. They hung on. They beat Arkansas, who's ranked 10th. Arkansas is home against Alabama Saturday, 23-21. to 21. You know, Nolan Ryan once said, the mark of a champion is when you win even though you don't have your best stuff. I kind of got to put Texas A&M in that category, okay? Jimbo Fisher uh, is, is basically handing off his play-calling duties because – the offense has been sputtering, and we've talked. We've talked about the NIL recruiting class that's legendary for Texas A&M. They've got like 56 total five-star, five four-star, three-star recruits. And I got to tell you, had they lost to Arkansas, oh, my goodness, it would have been teeth-gnashing beyond belief. And the one game that we've all been looking forward to is in a week, Alabama. We'll talk about that later, but the offense is stuck in neutral. They've managed to win. Texas A&M managed to win. So winking and not, I'll, I'll put them in the winner's circle as one of the winners of week four. And they've been sparked a bit. They, they, they changed quarterbacks to lefty Max Johnson, who did reasonably well at LSU. He's done a pretty good job protecting the football, and he'll make plays with his legs when he needs to. That has saved the day for Texas A&M. Texas A&M does have one of the top running backs in the FCC, and, and Devin Arcane, 
or Keen, but he had and he had 159 yards against the Razorbacks, who have a, who have a better than average defense. So uh, Texas A&M, you're hanging on fumes, but we'll keep you as a winner coming out of Week Four, and so you you we'll see where you go from here. Notre Dame, I'm going to put them in the winners column as well. Okay, these are the winners from Week Four. The Fighting Irish, could they be riding the shift? Marcus Freeman, first-year coach, all the pressure in the world, been a rough start. Very similar to Clemson, Notre Dame's offense has very much struggled, but they sparked up a little bit this last week. They gained 577 yards against North Carolina, 288 on the ground. They beat Carolina 45-32. to They win their second game in a row after losing to Ohio State and Marshall to open the year. They had a pretty good game plan from their quarter from their you know former quarterback in Notre Dame Tommy Reese, and then they, you know Notre Dame's now playing with their backup quarterback Drew Pine, and he didn't look impressive two or three weeks ago when he came off the bench, but he looked impressive Saturday against North Carolina threw for two ninety and three scores. You make it into the winners column, Notre Dame. Another winner from Week Four Baylor. Now, beating previously unbeaten Iowa State thirty one to twenty four sort of validates Baylor and their place among the top teams in the Big 12. It brings a little clarity into how this conference race will start to shape up as we are now in the month of October. I'm talking about the Big 12. The win also allows them to rebound for their first-year quarterback, Blake Shapin, who struggled mightily in the Bears' loss to Brigham Young a couple weeks back. And last week's win against Texas State he hit on 19 to 26 passes for 238 and three touchdowns. Uh, look, Iowa State is a good win. I, they, they came in this Saturday allowing quarterbacks to complete just 51% of their passes and only 5.2 yards per attempt. So Blake Shapin was able to overcome that. Uh, I would say Baylor lives to fight another day. The Big 12 is, I think, fairly wide open. We'll see what happens. But for now, they get to be in the winner's category. I'm going to switch gears and, and, and name a player that makes it to the winner's category. Really, he's, he's Kansas State, the graduate transfer, Adrian Martinez, who I swear he must have spent eight years at Nebraska. Okay, I, I, I just don't get it, man. I, I, uh, I'm i not that smart to begin with. I did go to high school the full six years. I did not, you know, did not drop out. Uh, but it, it seems like Adrian Martinez was at Nebraska for two terms, Obama's and Trump's. I mean, he was there forever. And now he's at Kansas State. He's a he's a grad transfer. He had one of the best games of his career. Uh, Kansas State beats Oklahoma last week, forty-one to thirty-four. Oklahoma was ranked sixth. Uh, he's been very cautious his first three starts. Adrian Martinez trying to make sure he doesn't turn the ball over, being very conservative. But he kind of cut loose against the Sooners. Ended up with two hundred and thirty-four passing yards. He ran for almost one hundred and fifty. Adrian Martinez, again, accounts for five touchdowns. And I think the key play of the game while he makes the winner's column is late in the fourth quarter. He had a 55-yard run, and that converted the third uh, third down. That, that kind of sealed the win. So after a pretty challenging, rough, at times miserable four years at Nebraska, uh, Adrian Martinez has a chance to finish on a happy note at, at Kansas State. Finally, these dudes are real, man. These guys can ball. I always knew they could when they played in the FCS you may or may not remember this. Years and years ago when Boise State had the incredible stud teams, they could have played with anybody. They, 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 they beat Oregon twice. They beat Virginia Tech. They beat a lot of really solid teams. Uh, so my, my understanding, they wanted to play Alabama. They offered to go to Tuscaloosa twice. If Bama would come to the Bluefield once, they wouldn't. 
those are those teams with you know with Kellen Moore and when when uh, Chris Peterson was there. Those were very 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 good football teams. Well, after one of their big wins against a, a, a ranked team, they lost the following week to James Madison. This goes back to like 2011. James Madison is a hell of a football program, and they're also one of the success stories of the season because this is the first year in the F- FBS designation. Now. They've been a championship contender in subdivision for years. It was always between between them and North Dakota State. And you remember last week, they 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 remained unbeaten. They scored the game's final 29 points to shock Appalachian State on the road, 32 to 28. They trolled 28 to three, and they came back and roared. Get to know James Madison. They're the Dukes. The James Madison Dukes. They gained a lot of momentum on a 75-yard scoring drive near the end of the second quarter. And then they had a couple of short fields, scored twice on them both times in the second half to pull off a pretty good upset. Remember, James or Appalachian State's a giant killer, and they'd already gone into Texas A&M and half ruined their season a couple weeks before as a 19-point underdog. App State's a terrific program. They've been a very good program for real. Those are the winners coming out of week four. Who are the losers? I'm going to touch upon them. They might rhyme with Oklahoma, Miami, Arkansas, Texas, Michigan State, Missouri, and Colorado State. And I will tell you why coming up in just a second. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com Studios. Follow me on Twitter at Bernie Fratto. And in, and why- hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it, Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Back on the Bernie Fratter Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Las Vegas TireRack.com studios. will take you up to 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. You know one of the things I miss a lot about college football, the great coaches, and then the NFL, too, and in all sports, that were quotable and funny and weren't stiff and formulaic. Um, it, it, it provides a good segue into some of these teams that I have to put in the loser category. Uh, I remember years ago... You see, because it comes down to coaching, and sometimes, look, you... There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
script a game plan and the plan breaks down and you got to survive on your wits. And, and when the heat gets hot and it's hard to breathe, one coach I used to love was Bum Phillips. I remember one year in a press conference, uh, they had just completed the mile run and Earl Campbell finished last. And uh, he, he'd had one of his first press conferences of the year, and the press says, Coach, how do you feel about your star running back, your star player, the face of the franchise, finishing last in a mile run? And Bum Phillips says, well, I guess when it's third in a mile, we won't be giving him the ball. <laughs> Players busted up. Some coaches can do that, man. Fred Akers, back when he was coaching Texas, the great coach back when Texas was really Texas football, got a call from one of the academic advisors and said, Coach, you, you know that your star quarterback is currently getting four Fs and one D. What do you think about that? Because I think he's spending entirely too much time on one subject. These coaches today aren't nearly as entertaining, and maybe they should be because you look at a school like Oklahoma, Big 12's up for grabs. They have a sloppy loss at Kansas State. The offense moved the ball okay, but a number of drives stalled because they, they had penalties. I, I like it when they say untimely penalties. It's like the untimely death. When, when is it timely? Yeah, Joe Slobotnik died. It was his time. Perfect timing. No, you don't say that. Stupid. Untimely penalties. There's never a good time for a penalty. The thing is, most of them were false starts. That's coaching. That's coaching. So Oklahoma starts with a very uneventful non-conference slate. They head out of the gate. The Sooners were supposed to be the best team in the conference. Now they got Brent Venables. It's pretty clear that Clemson misses his defense. Is he going to be a good head coach? I don't know. The defeat removes all room for error now. Oklahoma's got games against Texas and Oklahoma State and Baylor. Coming out of week four, you're in the loser category, Oklahoma. You're not in the winner category. How about Miami? Uh, the Mario Cristobal honeymoon is over. And, boy, that didn't last long, did it? After they lose a winnable game to Texas A&M last Saturday, they lose to Middle Tennessee State, who got smoked tonight, 45-31. to By the way, they play pretty good ball down there in Murfreesboro. But if you're Miami, they didn't hire Mario Cristobal and give him $80 million to lose to Texas A&M and Middle Tennessee State in back-to-back -back weeks. That confirms that the Hurricanes continue to be one of the biggest disappointments since Moby Dick wore cargo shorts. Boy, whatever happened to Miami football and Texas football and Oklahoma? Look, with this team already relegated to non-factor status, now you've got Mario Cristobal's got another situation. He's got a kid, Tyler Van Dyke. He pulled him in the third quarter. He was completing, I don't even think, 50% of his throws, had a couple of interceptions. He's taken a major step backward after a huge freshman season. That reflects on coaching Arkansas. I think Arkansas is a competitive club, but they've got to they end up in week four loser column. Sorry, because the Razorbacks had a real chance for, for an emotional come-from-behind win, and they were down 23-21 to to Texas A&M with just under two minutes left. Arkansas lines up for the go-ahead field goal from 42 yards out. Their sophomore kicker, Cam Little, one of the best kickers in the country. His, uh, now this is a bit of a bad luck too, okay? But if you the end of the game comes to this, anything can happen. Little's kick, he, he drove the ball well, but it was pushed a little bit right, barely struck near the top of the right upright before bouncing back into the end zone. Arkansas loses. Tough, you're never going to like the way you lose. But this one hurts a little bit because had Arkansas won that game, 
in, in about, uh, tw- well, about 12 hours from now, Arkansas hosts Alabama. They're catching 17 points at home. Alabama's number one. Alabama has not ag- exactly been world beaters when they get outside of Tuscaloosa. They win, but you saw what happened in Texas, and I don't need to go through the whole litany. Uh, but that would have been a much more fun game to watch Saturday had Arkansas pulled that out. Texas. All right. I got nothing against Steve Sarkeesian, but he didn't light the world on fire at BYU. He sure as hell didn't at Washington, and he did not end well at SC. So he resurrected his career, Sarkeesian did, by going to Alabama. And, boy, he did an amazing job with an offense. Didn't have a lot to work with. Let's take a look at his quarterback depth chart. Tua Tagovailoa, check. Jalen Hurts, check. Mac Jones, check. Boy, imagine the great things that Sarkeesian did with three guys. Mac Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, and Jalen Hurts. So he re- he resurrects his career and gets a hell of a job at Texas. But maybe him and Mario Cristobal compared notes in the offseason because it's been a thud at Texas since he was there. It, it, matter of fact, te- this is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Texas's loss is even worse. Texas failed to reach a bowl game in one of the worst seasons in recent program history last year. And you could say that Sarkeesian has started slow at Texas, and now he's faded. They lose 37-34 to Texas Tech. Again, completely shooting themselves in the foot by a series of mistakes during regulation, a crucial fumble in overtime from their star running back, B. John Robinson. Texas has not built upon I told you, there's no such thing as a good loss. It's like a good kidney stone. There's no such thing as a good loss. I realize that might have built morale for some people by losing to Alabama, but now instead of competing for a spot in the New Year at six, Longhorn scene like an afterthought. Michigan State, wow. After tapping into the transfer portal and they had a great, successful 2021 season, Mel Tucker eh, is hearing a little bit of whispers only in that people on the message boards are giving him a hard time about the contract, but look. Michigan State is is looking at a rebuild again now. I, maybe they can salvage their season by beating Michigan, but, you know, they, they got hammered by Washington two weeks ago, and then they just got completely, as our good man Kevin Figures would say, mollywopped at home by Minnesota, P.J. Fleck, and the Gophers that, you know, if you're a Michigan State, that's an anathema. And top credit to to Minnesota for doing it. But Michigan State, you're clearly residing in the loser's column. Uh, In just a second, I'll get to Missouri and Colorado State. And, yes, we are in October, so we're going to start to dive into what are the big storylines for college football heading into October. But first, 
Let's go to our man who does mollywop the competition. It's Kevin Figures with the latest. All right, Bernie. We'll start in college football. UCLA defeated number 15 Washington on Friday night, 40-32. to Dorian Thompson-Robinson for the Bruins threw two touchdown passes and ran for another. You also had victories for Boise State, UNLV, and Tulane, who improved to 4-1 and on the season. In Major League Baseball, the Braves hit three home runs off of Jacob deGrom. They notched a 5-2 to victory over the Mets. New York and Atlanta tied atop the National League East standings with five games remaining. Seattle got a walk-off home run from Cal Raleigh to pick up a 2-1 victory over Oakland. And more importantly, they clinched their first playoff berth in 21 years. Elsewhere, Tampa Bay hammered Houston 7-3. They clinched their fourth straight playoff appearance. The Houston lost, but the Dodgers clinched home field advantage throughout the playoffs. L.A. curb stomped Colorado 10-1. In the NFL, Patriots quarterback Mac Jones out for Sunday's game against Green Bay with a high ankle sprain. Bears running back Jordan Montgomery will miss the game against the Giants with ankle and knee injuries. Back to Bernie Fratto. All right, thanks, Kevin. Appreciate that, buddy. And we wrap up on week four losers coming out of uh, college football in, in the slate week four. That's the Department of Redundancy Department. How could I forget Missouri? Count them as having one of the worst losses of the season. They missed a 26-yard field goal as time expired. They fumble away the game-winning touchdown in the first overtime. They lose 17-14 to to an Auburn team who seemingly playing out the string and their poor and battle coach Brian Harson. Uh, the theory was he might be exiting and on his way back to Boise State. I don't know any of this, okay? Just work with me. Instead, this is really an ugly loss. It's going to put Missouri and their coach. And I do like his name. It's kind of a cool name. Eli Drinkwitz. He's on the hot seat as, as the Missouri Tigers, a once proud program, are heading towards oblivion, at least in 2022. And finally, we wrap up with Colorado State. Now, there's a lot of bad teams in the country. Massachusetts makes the list. Hawaii, Florida International, New Mexico State. Yeah, you can put them all together and make a rock pile. But maybe Colorado State might be worse than all of them. They were handed kind of a miserable situation. Uh, They have a new coach, Jay Norvell, but he is clearly going to need some time to get Colorado State and the Rams back to some kind of respectability because they just lost at home 41-10 to Sacramento State. Those are your winners and losers for week four in college football. We are in October now. Okay. There are some interesting storylines developing. Could Penn State win the Big Ten East? Now, they've got a date at Michigan here in a couple weeks, and Michigan's got to get by Iowa tomorrow, or sorry, today, excuse me. That game kicks off in eight hours and 27 minutes. But Penn State, who I think has looked really good, I love their quarterback, another guy who's been there a long time, and they got the stud running back who's a a youngster. I'm talking about the quarterback, Sean Clifford. They've got some very talented multiple running backs, Penn State does. But they have a defining three-game stretch that's looming here in the back half of October. Now, I would would suspicion – sorry, Mike Harmon, forgive me. I would suspicion Penn State will beat Northwestern Saturday, and after that comes an open date. But after that – comes against three other unbeatens in the Big Ten. And this can make or break Penn State season. But this is a developing story. James Franklin, their head coach, is always knocking on the door. Just got a big extension. You know, it wasn't just Mel Tucker. Remember, Kirby Smart got one, and and uh, Chip, uh, uh, Brian Kelly got one, the man of multiple languages, uh, and Mario Cristobal. Well, James Franklin got a nice extension, too. If he really wants to make the folks proud in Happy Valley, you go to Michigan October 15th, they're home against Minnesota October 22nd, and then home against Ohio State the 29th. 
Penn State knows what they need to do. It's right there in front of them. They're currently 4-0. It's presumed to be 5-0 after Saturday. They're having a little bit of a they're, – they're coming out of a two-year bit of a slump that sort of was a cloud over the program. Uh, you know, uh, between 20 and 21, those last two years, Penn State was only 11-11. and 11. Poor Joe Paterno must be spinning in his grave. And they've been distantly behind the Buckeyes and the Wolverines and even Michigan State. They've watched those programs surge past them. Guess what? Penn State's going to have their fate in their hands against those three programs all in the month of October starting two weeks from today when they go to Michigan. Again, they got Penn State later today, then an open date. That is a story, okay? I, just something to watch. Franklin got a nice contract extension in the offseason. He was flirting with some other jobs, but hasn't done much since 2019. And he's got a sixth-year senior quarterback. Experience always helps. And Sean Clifford, he's got a bunch of talented freshman running backs. Their offensive line is as good as it's been in a while. They've got a very good tight end who's got a chance to be elite. Penn State has a real chance to reassert itself against the best competition in the Big Ten. And can you imagine if they pull this off, Penn State? Well, you've got a much more manageable November, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. But if you're looking for an October storyline in college football, right? It's we know that it's Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and everybody else. Well, Penn State would like to crash the party. All right, here comes Alabama. Are they ready? for their road tests, and you can't – Alabama was highly average at Texas in its first road game of the season. And that's reminiscent, okay, of some multiple shaky road performances that Bama has had last year at Auburn, Texas A&M, Florida. Bama has not been exactly quite the same when they leave Tuscaloosa. So now they visit Arkansas Saturday and then Tennessee November for November 15th. In Alabama's five true road games last year and this year, I don't know why. Maybe it's the crowd noise. I don't know. Maybe noisy hotel rooms. Alabama, this is very unsaved-like. They've averaged 10 penalties a game for 90 yards. That's the kind of stat that leaves Nick Saban with bitter beer face on the sidelines. Man, you want to see Nick Saban snarl? Commit penalties. So in their last five true road games, Alabama's averaging 10 road games. And in four of those five games, they only managed one turnover. By every indication, Arkansas and Tennessee are better than Texas, which took Alabama down to the wire before losing by one point. Now, I don't believe in transitive property in college football. Saban's had time to clean these things up. But Bama's going to have to execute at a higher level Saturday against Arkansas than it did in Austin. They're a 17-point favorite. We'll see what happens. They've had Arkansas's number. But I think Arkansas is going to be a little pissed off from last week. By the way, it's going to be a little bit of a spicy month in the ACC. There are there are the Atlantic uh, division of the ACC. There are teams. There are four teams that are currently unbeaten, and they're going to be seeing each other and wrestling. You know, you know, fighting it out. Clemson plays North Carolina State Saturday today. They're at Florida State October fifteenth and Syracuse October twenty second. NC State. They play all three of the teams in succession. They're at Clemson today. We talked about that game earlier. Number 11, great passing attack. Uh, Clemson's defense has not been great. NC State gets Florida State at home next week and Syracuse in two weeks. Then the Seminoles have, you know, the Florida State Seminoles. They have Wake Forest later today, NC State and Clemson, all again those three weeks. So by the end of the month, you're going to be looking at some sorting out uh, after all these dogfights in the, in the ACC and I don't think, if you want my honest opinion, all four teams are 
are undefeated right now? I bet you none of them are when November 1st rolls around. Those are four good clubs. NC State, Clemson, Wake Forest, or check that. NC State, Clemson, Florida State, and Syracuse. They're all going to have a loss a month from now. All right, the Big 12 is not your father's Big 12, but it's kind of more interesting now because last year's championship game was played with neither Oklahoma nor Texas, and early returns indicate you're going to be a, you're going to have a repeat of that because you've got unbeaten Oklahoma State. They play three road games in October. Baylor, they play TCU, who's currently undefeated, and Kansas State. Now, TCU gets a chance at home to bury the Sooners Saturday, but then they've got consecutive games against Kansas, who's unbeaten, and Oklahoma State. The Jayhawks, they're still earning their respect from the voters, or Vegas, or, you know, the odds makers. They're unranked. Kansas is still unranked or a three-point home underdog Saturday against Ohio, against Iowa State. Now, some sharp people I know and trust, I'm not involved in this game, they actually think they think Ohio, Iowa State is the play. They think Iowa State's the play. But you've got, a, of all the Power 5 conferences, the Big 12 was easily the most wide open. All right? Washington was hoping to be 8-0 when the college football playing playoff, when the college football playoff rankings had their first publication on, on November 1st. But after, you know, four straight games at home, the Huskies found out it's a little different playing on the road. And UCLA handled them tonight. So the Brewers are now 5-0. and And even though they had a horrible schedule before tonight, uh, they got it done against Washington. Again, another developing story. The Sun Belt, come on, let's talk a little Sun Belt here because they deserve a hell of a tip of the cap. They really play good football. They'll cannibalize themselves, obviously. And so it'll make it difficult for them to get a New Year's Six bid. But they're are really a lot of good teams in the Sun Belt that have got statement victories this season. And unfortunately, not one of them probably good enough for the old playoff college football playoff selection committee to elevate them like Cincinnati was last year, which means it's going to be great in a couple of years when they do go to 16 teams. Um, so just wink of the nod, watch the Sun Belt, a lot of good teams. And, and I would tell you that when they get on the field with the Power 5 teams, they really more than hold their own and they win. One coach who heard a real attaboy this past week, Joey McGuire at Texas Tech. He's a former high school Texas football coach. His first career Big 12 game was against Texas Saturday. And wouldn't you? This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know what? Uh, he, he, you know, he won it and the fans stormed the field. Texas Tech was trailing by two touchdowns in the third quarter. 
They score 17 straight points, and then they surrender a tying field goal in the final regulation, but they win in overtime. And this is a guy who was a high school coach, but in his first two games against in-state competition, Houston and Texas, he wins them both. Big pat on the back to Joey McGuire, the head coach at Texas Tech. Coming up, lots more college football. These teams blue bloods in football now. We'll explain. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas TireRack.com Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. We're back on the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. Big college football weekend ahead of us. And one quick aside, uh, are these three schools blue bloods in football now? Because entering last weekend, for the first time ever, the four core college football blue bloods, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, and North Carolina, were all 3-0 in football. Kentucky was ranked number eight. This is their highest ranking since 1977, and they're clearly a program on the rise and they're part of the toughest conference in football, the SEC. Give it up to Kansas. Uh, they've beaten well. They've beaten Tennessee Tech, West Virginia, and Houston. The Kansas has the nation's fifth highest scoring offense. Duke, well, they shut out Temple. They beat Northwestern by eight. They blew out North Carolina A and T. They got a rookie head coach Mike Elko, and now of course North Carolina under Mac Brown. No surprise there. They're averaging 51 points a game so far this year. That's fourth in the nation. So. You know, sure, Duke, North Carolina, they've all left the ranks of college football now, but it was kind of like a a, a, a a reprisal of the Final Four. These are, I guess, quote, I say this in air quotes, basketball schools, right? But, hey, not so much. You got to give it up to them. I want to talk about Deion Sanders real quickly. It's time to start mentioning this man's name as a Power 5 head coach. There are going to be three Power 5 jobs that open up for sure, I believe, that will be here, obviously, when the 2023 season rolls around. Obviously, you know, Arizona State, they've already parted away with Herm Edwards and Nebraska and Scott Frost. Georgia Tech, they've already come open this season. And another one likely on the way, I don't want to cast dispersions, Auburn, and I happen to think Dion would be a very interesting fit at Auburn. He could stay in the South, where he's lived a lot of his life. And in case you see those little commercial, those little commercials between him and Nick Saban, well, can you imagine Saban at Alabama and Dion at Auburn? Come on, man, tell me that's not delicious. And I would say one name that you're going to see mentioned as a replacement potentially for all of these jobs: Arizona State, Nebraska, Georgia Tech, Auburn. Rightfully so, is Dion Sanders. I've always liked Dion. Uh, he, he's a brilliant man. He played two major league sports. But if you've ever heard him in an interview, if you've ever observed the way he conducts his business, he's very thoughtful, he's very bright, he's very driven. Um, before Lincoln Riley was hired, I, I, I said on the air, hey, talk to Deion Sanders, man. You talk about making a splash at SE. It should not be a huge surprise. It's time to hire Deion Sanders as a Power 5 coach. It feels like the moment is right. And, and look what he's done as the head coach at Jackson State. And Jackson State, if you're, if you're not familiar, they're an HBCU in Mississippi. And I'll never understand why when he was hired there, critics met that with skepticism. They're saying, well, Sanders is all flash, no substance, 
and the school just got caught up in his bravado. That is just simply not true. And I know Deion Sanders had campaigned to get the Florida State head coaching job two years ago, two years before, but the Seminoles opted for a guy, Mike Norvell, who had been more established. Okay, get that. But Deion Sanders, in my, for my money, is established. It's not just flash. It's not just bravado. Sanders, when he got to Jackson State, in my opinion, he brought a lot of substance with him as well. Jackson State is not only 19-5 and since Sanders took over, and he's grabbing recruits that would have never been at Jackson State if Sanders not there. And I think Deion Sanders is a fabulous coach. He's a fabulous mentor. He's a motivator. He's, he's lived his life. Look at his son. What a great job his son's doing. And, and you remember when Travis Hunter, the number one player in the 22 recruiting class, chose Jackson State over Florida State? I don't see how anybody could say that was a bad decision. Because when you get to play for Deion Sanders and you learn under Deion Sanders and this kid happened to be a cornerback, Sanders has not only been able to recruit and get great players there, but he's built a foundation. He's built a foundation for success at a school in just two seasons. And now, now in addition to his accomplishments, I think Deion Sanders has real clout. That may or may not have been missing before, but not in my book. I've always thought Deion Sanders could do the job. Listen, successful coaches in, in all sports come from all walks of life. And it's easy to get caught up in the group think echo chamber. And it's easy to have a certain specific criterion and a certain, you know, what you think is, is the only resume you can have uh, when you enter a certain job. But I think Deion Sanders, wherever he ends up, or even if he stays at Jackson State, is going to continue to be very successful. So Arizona State, Nebraska, Georgia Tech, and Brian Harson still at Auburn. But if they move on, if either side moves on, you got to talk to Deion Sanders. Coming up, switch gears real quickly. What happened in the NFL Pro Bowl? I'll tell you. Keep it locked right here. This is Bernie Fratto, the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Still much to be decided as we approach the final five days of the baseball regular season. The National League East is up for grabs as Friday night Austin Riley hit one of three Atlanta home runs off of Jacob deGrom, giving the Braves a 5-2 victory over the Mets, drawing them into a tie for first place with five games remaining. Tampa Bay clinched a playoff spot with a 7-3 victory over Houston. Seattle got eight strong innings from Logan Gilbert and a walk-off home run from Cal Riley to beat Oakland 2-1 and clinch their first playoff berth since 2001. The Phillies and Brewers each won, so the Phillies maintain a half-game lead over Milwaukee for the final National League wildcard spot. In college football, UCLA improved to 5-0 with a 40-32 win over previously unbeaten number 15 Washington. Middle Tennessee couldn't keep the momentum going as they lost to UTSA 45-30. UNLV defeated New Mexico. Boise State hammered San Diego State 35-13. I'm Kevin Figures. That's right, you heard the man. It's that time of week. My name is Bernie Fratter. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios. Tyrac.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tyrac.com, the way tire buying should be. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll start to preview some additional top 25 games. Purdue at Minnesota. Oregon State, Utah, Wake Forest, Florida State, Rutgers, Ohio State, and many, many more. Oklahoma State, Baylor. And in the bottom of the hour, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. 
I don't know if you saw that disaster the other day of the friendly. By the way, uh, I, I got a bad vibe. This is just a bad vibe. The U.S. men's national team scored a grand total of zero goals in their first two tune-up games. And World Cup play is, what, seven, eight weeks away now. It's upon us. No one's happy. There are multiple issues. Things got worse when Gio ran and limped off the field with 30 minutes uh, to go in the game. Hamstring tightness. Uh, they've got all kinds of problems. Uh, we'll see if their coach can right the ship. We'll talk about it with Chris at the bottom of the hour. Speaking of American football, the NFL Pro Bowl will no longer be a tackle football game. Okay, wait a minute now. They're telling us it'll no longer be a tackle football game. Hell, it hasn't been a tackle football game since Moses wore cargo shorts. You kidding me? I, I, they're going to replace it, I guess, with a, with a flag football game. There'll be more hard-hitting in that flag football game than there's been in the real Pro Bowl in quite some time. But they're also replacing the All-Star Showcase, if you want to call it that, with a week, they're rebranding it with a week-long assortment of skills competitions and a bunch of other events, again, culminating in the flag football game between the AFC and NFC. And you're not going to believe it. ESPN and ABC are actually going to televise the flag football game. No joke. Now... They are dubbing this week, quote, the Pro Bowl games, not to be confused with the Hunger Games and Jennifer Lawrence. Those might be more interesting, but we'll see. Let's give it its day in court. The first iteration of this is February 5th here, right here in Las Vegas. And Las Vegas hosted the 2022 game. Yes, they were here. If you don't believe me, ask Alvin Kamara. And we'll see what happens. Uh, Peyton Manning owns a company called Omaha Productions. And he has a content studio that produces, among other things, of course, the Manning cast, which a lot of people watch on Monday Night Football. They will, in part, manage the programming for the week. Look, we're going to watch. I'm going to watch. You're going to watch. It's always, uh, you know, you get to the end of the year and you're, you're a little sad because the season's kind of over and the Pro Bowl is not much of a substitute, but it's better than a sharp stick in the eye, maybe not much better, but... Uh, Peyton Manning will also be on the coaching staff for the AFC-NFC flag football game, which will be played right here at Legion Stadium, and that will conclude the week-long events. Now, the league NFL put out a press release, and what they did is they laid out, uh, they, they described, quote, a week of challenges where players engage in football and non-football skills competitions. Now, they haven't yet totally determined what those competitions are, although, remember they used to have the old quarterback challenge. They discontinued it in 2008. There's a possibility that comes back. Now, apparently they're in the process, the NFL is in the process of receiving feedback or, or soliciting feedback or they're gathering feedback from players, from teams, from fans. They want to try to reimagine this event in a way that doesn't turn out to just be a, a bigger joke than it was before. So... For now, we're going to give it a, a, a thumbs up to see, at least if for no other reason, out of curiosity, what the Pro Bowl games look like as a platform to you know continue to promote the, the NFL. Remember, the Super Bowl is a two-week convention for the National Football League, culminating in the game. Well, this can be a convention as well. And then flag football is played quite a bit in the United States, and perhaps this can be a platform to promote flag football as you know a, a sport that is going to continue to gain traction and maybe introduce new forms of competition and entertainment and what this does is it allows the players and their families and fans to have an experience where they can all co sort of congregate and that's that's a good thing okay we you have that with the draft and so the nfl 
they do an amazing job of of really being damn near 24-7, 12 months out of the year. But the problem is, and let's not kid ourselves, the NFL has – the, the Pro Bowl's been a laughing stock uh, for for years, and it's the only All Star competition among the the four sports leagues. Obviously, it's played outside the regular season for obvious reasons. And look, they don't play any defense in the NBA or the NHL either. But the NFL game is brutal in terms of 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 the way the game's been prosecuted. Yet, in spite of that, it still actually received decent TV ratings. And of course, you can bet on it. Although the the 2022 game uh, only had about 7 million viewers, which was the lowest since 2006, according to Sports Business Daily. So that then right there, that tells you that was most likely the impetus behind why the Pro Bowl game is going to make way for the Pro Bowl games. See what they did there? Now, of course, Roger Goodell, he has been pretty vocal about you know his disdain for the the incredibly low, poor quality of play in, in, the, in the Pro Bowl. And the players have supported the Pro Bowl in part because it's a free vacation for them and their families. And it, it, it's still recognition. It's a reward if you've had a high-caliber season. There was a time when it was really a honor. And it was, you know, you'd go to Hawaii, and it just doesn't – it's not the same. Times have changed. And Roger Goodell was the first to say it. He told reporters in May – they had an owner's meeting, and they talked about it, and they basically said, this game just doesn't work anymore. It just simply does not. They need to find a way. You have to do something. They want to celebrate the players. They want to create this event. They want to create an experience and a scenario whereby everybody can enjoy and celebrate and uh, you recognize another season in, in, in the National Football League if you are worthy, but the game just doesn't doesn't work anymore. So... There are a couple of themes that you will see that will be evident in this shift. One is going to be an emphasis on flag football, which the NFL, frankly, you're, you watch this start to happen, and for good reason. The NFL is going to start to heavily promote flag football, which is still football but in a far less physical way, for children to try the game out amidst you know the obvious concerns people have about the safety of the game in it, when it's played in tackle. Right, it's it's a it's a high collision sport, not the same in flag, and so the NFL is going to promote that because tackle football is not for everybody. Probably me too. I hated going to play high school football. I hated going to practice. Hated it. I still get my neck still hurts. I think. In addition to the AFC NFC flag game, though, the week is also going to have the NFL flag championships. Now this is pretty cool, okay? Because again, this gets people involved. It's going to feature the top girls and boys and boys. Apparently, there are lots of youth flag teams around the entire country and even around the world. And what this is going to include is the flag championships as part of the week of of activities during the Pro Bowl games. And again, the, the, the big theme is going to be flag football, and you'll have this championship tournament, which will feature youth teams involving both boys and girls, not just in the United States, from around the, but also from around the world. The second theme will be the NFL and their incredible, what I consider to be long-standing, not only effort but success in branding weeks on the calendar that sort of feed fans football content and keeps the NFL in the news even when other sports are going on 
and also monetize them and generate new sources of revenue. Look what an amazing job the NFL's done with the draft. So the Pro Bowl games over the week is going to be like that. It's going to be a revenue-generating event as well as you know providing football fans tons of content and revenue and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, nobody does this better than the NFL, whether it's the scouting combine, the schedule release, the draft, now the Pro Bowl week, training camp. Come on. So, and by the way, they've already got a, a sponsor. Verizon is sponsoring the first Pro Bowl game. So um, the, what they're talking about now is some sort of fan voting and, and uh, in the East-West Shrine Bowl uh, would be also played in Las Vegas during the week. So it's going to be a football week, a football fun extravaganza. And, uh, and I, think it, it, I think it has a chance to work. We'll see. But we already know that the Pro Bowl – game was not working so this i believe is a viable alternative all right we're just hours away we're basically seven hours and 58 minutes away from michigan and iowa kicking it off but there's a lot of other games i want to talk about too that you're going to want to hear about texas a&m mississippi state alabama arkansas north carolina state clemson georgia missouri right on down the line top 25 has a lot of big time matchups thank god we're into conference play I get tired of watching the Power Five schools, and it's a good payday for the for the smaller schools and the lesser programs and the non-Power Five schools. Uh, but it does get a little old after a while if you if you get my drift. So I would just say this: that you know you always want to have a situation where the tune-up games matter to a degree. But when you get into conference play and you get into the thick of conference play now, we're into October. Can you believe where this year's gone? We are now into October. I think that's where you start to sort the manure from the you-know-what. And there are a lot of great games on the slate Saturday, which I will I will, I will delve into coming up. Hey, football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM every Saturday and Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff. Tune in Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern and Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern as we take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio in the iHeartRadio app presented by BetMGM. Coming up, we dive in to more top 25 college football matchups. So keep it locked right here. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. We're back on the Bernie Fratto Show. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, the TireAct.com studios. Follow me on Twitter, at Bernie Fratto. We're just hours away from week five in college football. Coming up bottom of the hour after Kevin Figures update, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. We'll talk about the friendlies, look ahead to the Premier League. Uh, but first, let's talk about some other top 25 college games that we really didn't have a chance to get to. Uh, a little bit under the radar, number 13, Oregon hosts Stanford. Stanford, a shallow what they used to be. They've already lost to USC in Washington by an average of 16 points in both games. I expect the Ducks to do that to Stanford by about the same margin. Ducks are 2-0 against the number at home. They've scored 40-plus points each of the last two weeks. Interestingly enough, the last six times, it's been feast or famine. The last six times Stanford has visited Autzen Stadium. They've actually won three of them. But the three losses were all by 20 points or more. 
Number six, SC. I can. Te- I, I figure they're going to be a bully against Arizona State this weekend. They're laying twenty-four points. Herm Edwards is gone. I don't know what in the world happened there. Uh, Sun Devils might want to try to figure out how to stop the run. They're allowing like 190 yards a game. That's going to be a problem. The Trojans, uh, they had a subpar offensive performance against Oregon State, but came away with the win. And Caleb Williams is completing 75% of his passes at home. This should be a blowout. Number 24, Pitt, hosts Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is the latest team. It's going to have to rally after their coach was fired. By the way, in case you're scoring at home, and I hope you are, you know, so Nebraska's fired, you know, Scott Frost and Arizona State's fired USC. If you think there's a betting edge when a team is fired in college football, let me try that again in English. When a coach is fired from his team in college football, like they're going to roar back and, and play their ass off the next game and cover the spread. By the way, Georgia Tech's catching 20 at Pitt. No, not so much. There's really no trend there. I think in the last 12 occasions, it, 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 it happened like 11 times last year when a coach is fired midseason. It's like 6-6. Six and six. There's no real trend there. So don't expect Georgia Tech to come up with an effort just because their new coach, or Jeff Collins, is gone and they're all fired up. Number, 20, number one, Georgia, we haven't talked about them all night. They're laying four touchdowns at Missouri. Uh, and you could say the Bulldogs were a little lackadaisical beating Kent State last week, 39-22, to but give Kent State credit. They play hard in the MAC, uh, And that just shows you what your expectations are with Georgia. If they don't win by a million, you think something's wrong. Meanwhile, Missouri's coming off a heartbreaking overtime loss at Auburn. I think you're going to see a very focused Georgia team. This is an SEC conference game, obviously. I think that's bad news for Missouri. Uh, I'm not laying it, but gun to my head, I think they win by more than 30. I just do. I think Georgia can name their score Saturday at Missouri. It's a nighttime game, 7.30 Eastern. Uh, We talked about this earlier, but this has two top 10 teams. NC State, they're currently ranked 10th. They visit Clemson, who's ranked 5th. Clemson laying 6.5. I think you're still paying the Clemson great team tax with this team and they're not as good as they've been uh dj uaglele had a good game last week but we talked about this earlier clemson's defense is not brent brent venable's defense of the past and you can score on them sam hartman and wake forest pretty much did what they wanted to do last week they just fell short in in overtime all right texas a&m still managed to rank number 17 they visit mississippi state mississippi state is laying three uh, so the Aggies are a three-point underdog. They beat Arkansas last week, but they could have easily lost that game, A&M. Uh, meanwhile, the Mississippi State Bulldogs, they had beaten Texas A&M last year, 26-22 at Texas A&M. And this year they get to face a, an Aggies offense. That, it doesn't exactly move the ball with any impressive, you know, uh, statistics or otherwise. Um but I got to tell you, if you're giving me Texas A&M, a ranked team in points, uh, they do have Alabama on deck. It's a stay away game for me, but I'd be inclined to, to look at the points. Again, two ranked, two top 20 ranked teams. Alabama, number two. The line is up to 17 now at Arkansas, number 20. Uh, Alabama has yet to make a statement game this year. And on the road, in the last five tries, they've not exactly made statement games. On the road, which we've talked about, 
last year at, at Auburn and earlier this year at Texas, et cetera. But I – and by the way, Arkansas did push Alabama to the limit last year, 42-35. Arkansas had a better passing attack last year. They got probably a better running attack this year. I think Alabama wins, and they're going to be kind of around that number, 17. I don't think I later I'd take it, but I would say this. I don't – I just can't see Alabama losing that game. I think Arkansas keeps it – certainly keeps it competitive for three quarters. The key will be in the fourth quarter. All right, number nine, Oklahoma State at Baylor. You get the Bears and Cowboys together. They're pretty evenly matched. Baylor laying two and a half. They've split the last eight meetings. That includes when Baylor won 21 to 16 in last year's Big 12 championship game. We talked about this earlier. Welcome to the new Big 12, folks. Neither Oklahoma or Texas was in the championship game last year, and that might happen again this year. Now, one thing to note here, Oklahoma State had a bye week to prepare, and Spencer Sanders has had a long time to think about that four-interception game that ended with a goal-line stand last year in the Big 12 championship. Uh, this is a real revenge spot for Oklahoma State, and I would probably look to lean maybe in that direction. All right, Penn State, they got a chance to go 5-0. and If they don't, it would be a disaster. They're laying 26, hosting Northwestern. These two teams haven't even met since 2017, and the Wildcats are in a kind of a rough spot right now. They've had three straight home losses. Remember, they beat Nebraska earlier in the year in Ireland, but now they've lost three straight at home. And... I will say this. You give Pat Fitzgerald, a Pat Fitzgerald coach team, almost four touchdowns? Now, I know Northwestern's going to be overmatched athletically in this game. Uh, Penn State's running game is going to be a bit much for them. But you get the feeling, and Pat Fitzgerald has always been money when he gets points. Remember week zero when they were getting 13.5 against Nebraska, won the game outright? I think the Wildcats can be a little bit of a speed bump. I might take a look at that Saturday, see where the line ends up. Northwestern might be somebody to take a hard look at because that's a lot of points for a Pat Fitzgerald coach team, number one. Penn State is also heading into a bye week before that three-game gauntlet against, uh, I told you, Michigan State, Michigan, and, and, and Ohio State, or maybe it's Minnesota, Ohio State, and Michigan. And Penn State has designs on winning the Big Ten, so it's time for James Franklin to take that next step. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yep. Rutgers, who, who gives an effort, uh, and I don't really like 40-point lines. I just don't. Ohio State's laying 41 against a, what can be at times a very game Rutgers team. Uh Remember, the Buckeyes failed to cover that same spread. They were laying 40 against Arkansas State Week 2. But Ohio State's got their offense rolling. They've covered twice since. 
Uh, Rutgers is averaging 16 points a game so far. Ohio State's won the last three meetings between the two schools by an average of 31. I think I take Rutgers in the points here. I, they they look to me like a team that's going to give an effort. And uh, if 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 Rutgers can put up their six their average 16 points, Ohio State would have to score 58. I don't think Ryan Day is going to do that. I could I could see a 51 to 14 game, something like that. Uh, but that's right. That 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 covers the number. All right, Wake Forest, who's been just fabulous. That offense is such a treat to watch. They visit Florida State. Florida State laying six. One of the things to watch here is how can Wake Forest bounce back from that double overtime loss against Clemson. They're good enough to pull the upset here, but they've lost their last five trips to Doak Campbell Stadium down there in Tallahassee. And Wake Forest did beat Florida State 35-14 last year, but it was in at home. And I would say Florida State's improving. Their rushing attack, to me, looks as good as it's been in years. All right, Oregon State fresh off their almost upset at home against against uh, USC last week. Had they not turned the ball over about 20 times, I think Oregon State might have won that game. Now they visit Utah. Utah's laying a ton of points, 11. Beavers, again, how do you respond? How do you come back off a heartbreaking loss against USC? you got a very tough road test at Utah. Oregon State, though, they've been money this year. They're 4-0 against the spread, but the Utes also have three straight covers since the season opening loss at Florida, that last-second loss on Labor Day weekend. That was a hell of a game to watch. Uh, The last two times Oregon State and Utah have played, they've been one-score games. You know what to do here. If you're catching 11, you're catching Oregon State, well, I think you've got to take the wood. You you don't want to lay the wood on this one. Minnesota, I got nothing but respect for P.J. Fleck in Minnesota. They're hosting the, the, the Purdue. The Minnesota's laying 10.5. Minnesota's off to a very encouraging 4-0 start. They have the top defense in the nation statistically. Purdue will test it, though. They have a great passing attack. They average 311 yards a game. And here's the deal. We don't know if, if Purdue's quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, is going to play. And, again, back to a quarterback, veteran leadership, a guy who I now think he will play in the NFL, Tanner Morgan, six-year quarterback at Minnesota. If you, I will assume Aiden O'Connell plays for, Pitt, for Purdue, but we don't know. Again, the last three times these two teams have met, one-score victories, Purdue catching 10.5. Coming up, a team who couldn't score in a game. Maybe they were intimidated by the crowd. That's a joke. I'll, I'll reveal the punchline to that joke. Coming up, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. But first, let's go back to our man, Kevin Figures, with the latest. All right, Bernie, still much to be decided as we approach the final week of the Major League Baseball regular season. The NL East still up for grabs. Friday night, Austin Riley hitting one of three Braves home runs off of Jacob deGrom, giving Atlanta a 5-2 victory, drawing them into a tie for first place with the Mets with five games remaining. Tampa Bay clinching a playoff spot with a 7-3 win over Houston. Seattle getting eight strong innings from Logan Gilbert and a walk-off home run from Cal Riley to beat Oakland. Oakland 2-1, and they clinched their first playoff berth since 2001. Phillies and Brewers both with victories. Phils maintain a half-game lead over Milwaukee for the final National League wildcard spot. College football UCLA improved to 5-0. They defeated previously unbeaten number 15 Washington 40-32. Middle Tennessee not able to keep that momentum going after that big win at Miami last week. They lose to UTSA 45-30. UNLV a comeback victory over New Mexico. Boise State hammering San Diego State 35 213. Back to Bernie Fratto. All right. Thanks so much, Kevin. Good job tonight, buddy. Thank you, Bernie. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Chris and I were talking about of two friendlies coming up. 
the two friendlies are in the books, and I will tell you, uh, it was everything I thought it wouldn't be and less. So without further ado, it's that time of week. Let's go to Chris Perfett for Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. The greatest goals. The thrilling finishes. The international drama. Chicharito, Chicharito, Chicharito. Ahí, ahí la tiene Torrado. It's all here in this report from the world of soccer. That's right, Bernie. And we're cleaning up the mess left here by the U.S. men's national team as we now sit a month and a half out from the World Cup. And the Saudi Arabia game is almost in our back rear view here, but there's a lot to clean up from it because there's not a lot of hope for the U.S. men coming out here after this friendly uh, this friendly campaign, especially what we saw against Saudi Arabia as I try to pick through the roster and try to figure out who I even trust on this team right now. And well, I got to tell you real yeah, quickly, uh, Chris, because I watched the game because I was looking forward to talking to you about it. And I was going to say, I was going to crack a joke. Maybe they were intimidated by the crowd. There was no crowd at the game. No, it was only, I think it was only about a thousand people who showed up. This was in, I think, somewhere Spain. in Spain, Mercia. Yeah, I Mercia, believe. Spain. Yeah. Yes. And so I'm thinking, wait a minute, is there some COVID deal going on there? There was no one in the stands. We're talking about freaking Saudi Arabia. They ranked 53rd in FIFA rankings. And they actually came closer to scoring in the first 45 minutes than the U.S. did. No, I believe there was a ball that, um, I'm trying to remember who it was, but it, it required an American player to go and basically save it from the net at that Paul point. Paul Areola? Areola, yes, that was it. Yeah, I, who's on the right on the tip of my tongue. Areola saved a goal. It could have been 1-0 Saudi Arabia. If, if, if the U.S. had lost to Saudi Arabia, oh. it would be five alarms. But this is this is my frustration with talking about the U.S. men's team because I feel like I feel like there is a contingent out there. Like, we know the women's team for the U.S. is the cream of the crop. They are the ones who bring home the World Cups for the United States. They're they're beyond reproach at this point. Regardless of how you feel about certain ones or players, they win. That's what they do. They win. That's right. That's right. But the U.S. men's has tried to come up with this new era after what I consider pretty much a just a, a miraculous era of stars with guys like Clinton Dempsey of Clint Dempsey and uh, and Landon Donovan and none like these guys they have their names Bernie they have guys like Tyler Adam Weston McKinney and Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna who was carted off but sounds like that's right he will be Andy. back he will be back and ready to go before the World Cup but this is a team that is inconsistent it's a team that doesn't really play with a lot of fire out there that is lacking in any kind of strikers whatsoever like Jesus Ferreira might be your top striker and it's I, I wouldn't even consider him a tier one striker and it's these friendlies confirmed my my greatest fear that the u.s was a is a large fish in a very small pond that very small pond is named Concacaf, the north american region in fifa and people can get up and get excited when they beat up on Mexico. This is the Mexico of old. They're not beat like going to Azteca and beating this Mexico doesn't mean what it used to. They they will go and draw against, you know, Panama or they'll struggle with Honduras, but that doesn't matter. Once you get out of CONCACAF, it's a different it's a different ball game, Bernie, and we saw that on display from these friendlies. So if we just look inward, let's yeah. let's talk about a couple things here. Because we knew the games would be against Japan and Saudi Arabia, so they're shut out by Japan 2-0, and they have a scoreless draw against Saudi Arabia. Christian Pulisic did see some action. I want to look at the coach, Greg Berhalter. Is that how you pronounce it? Berhalter, yeah. Okay. Tell me about his background. Do we have an issue there? 
So I'm not thrilled by what Burhalter's done so far. I I think this has kind of been the the problem with it. He's had a like strange bevy of talent around him, but he's like he's never really been able to put it together. I'm not pining for the days of going back to Jurgen Klinsmann by any which way. Burhalter, though, I mean he's a former American player. He's got a lot of the the association for for the I mean the 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 federation for the US likes him because he's one of their guys. This is very much so a Michigan man or a man of Troy situation with Burhalter who's had a long a long career playing for you know the likes of Crystal Palace or Galaxy and you know he managed mostly in the MLS he managed you know crew and and uh oh god I can't even pronounce this one Hamarby IF, I believe that's somewhere else. Um, but either way, like he's been he's been with the United States ever since they did not go to that World Cup in 2018. It's the guy that they so, know. So hold that thought, yeah. because you're right. It's the guy they know. But it's my understanding because I've actually done some research, and I understand he's a bit of a hardhead. He's going to stick with certain offenses and schemes and personnel groupings. He does things his way. He often complains he he doesn't have the players he wants. Here's the part that's concerning to me, Chris. The last seven games against World Cup bound nations, the U.S. has been shut out six times. That's coaching. I'm yeah. sorry. I, that's coaching. Go ahead. And then really, the only one that they've really put up, you know, a good fight against in those is Mexico. Like, the Mexico's usually been the one that the U.S. can beat up on. And I, I, I see a lot in what Berhalter runs out there is kind of the same critique that I see sometimes in college soccer in this country, that it's too it's too system-based. It doesn't really let people play to their individual strengths. And, yeah, I think that's what we've kind of seen out here. But at the same time, like, there's just really no chemistry going with this U.S. team right now. And I think people are starting to dial back their expectations, right? Japan was the team of that level with the U.S. and that this this was a Japan like the US is a team that I don't expect people to expect to get out of their group. For Japan, that's a lot more of a factor that they're in a group with Spain and Germany than anything. <laughs> but I don't think people expect the US to get out of their group and especially shouldn't expect it now. Like well, England, England, Iran, and who else? Wales. Wales. I, Wales, I now hey. I now put Wales firmly above the United States. Wales together. is a fu- well, Wales is a feisty team. Yes, a lot of that's going to be running through Gareth Bale, and I thought at one point, you know, maybe the multitude of talent the U.S. has can outshoot Bale, but clearly that's not the case. They've got a lot of good midfielders. They've got, you know, a a fantastic group of wingers spearheaded by Pulisic, but they don't have a striker. They just don't have someone who can really get the ball, put the ball in the net to really, you know, press the attack. They've got this fantastic midfield, but very little else, and it's it's really worrying right now for the U.S. It's it's hard it's hard to come up with and again i'm just frustrated because this has been the story for a while now this entire 2022 campaign where you know you people will cheerlead and talk about oh look they just beat up mexico like this aren't you ready for this aren't don't you think this is the the team that's going to you know take it out to the group stage of the world cup it's like no this is a team in a shallow pool and then it just turns into well you're just being a hater or well no. you're just you're just you know if they want to harsh on this team but it's like okay like when when can we be harsh when can we be harsh on a team that should have a lot better aspirations Chris, after they, they, missing they, they, a world cup four years ago they looked flat i watched that game i came i watched the game and i'm saying what they, they look like they're running in quicksand here's the irony or maybe it's a coincidence the last time the u.s played wales was two novembers ago it was during covid 
It was a friendly, and they tied 0-0. I would take a 0-0 tie against Wales right now. <laughs> yeah, you at least get a point out of it. That's right, yeah. you get a point out of yeah. it. So I just, I, I don't know. Berhalter said these guys, you know, best advice you can give them is go back to the clubs coming up here, uh, you know, play your hearts out, just get ready for the World Cup. He said he's got some clarity on certain players he wants on the squad, but I just don't know where that help is coming from. Like, you know, I maybe Reyna's healthy. Maybe that's what we're really looking for with him. Tim Way, who's who I think is great. But outside of Matt Turner, the goalkeeper, there's really not a lot of guys here that I really trust to take this U.S. squad to the next level right now. And that's disappointing. This is eight years in the making. You, you, like, you know, you missed a World Cup in 2018. You had to say goodbye to that entire crop of guys like Jose Aldador and Clint Dempsey. And now here we are. This is the new This is a new era with, with Yedlin and Pulisic and Reyna. And it just, it feels like this is just going to come out flat in its first try. And you hope, you know, maybe by 2026, some of these guys will still be around. But man, four years is a long time, Bernie. It's a long time to watch the U.S. keep playing on the stage and I'm CONCACAF does not tide me over in between. Hey, here's an irony, by the way. Paul Ariola, who saved that potential goal, he had been subbed in for Gio Reyna. So yeah. for, for whatever that's worth. All right, uh, nope. we got about a minute. Uh, what do you got for us upcoming Premier League? Okay, so actually in a, about three hours here, if you re- want to stay up on the West Coast, we've got Arsenal and Tottenham kicking off here. In the Premier League, they're back in action. Arsenal is number one right now. Hotspur is third on the table. This is a fight for first place. If Tottenham uh, wins this game, they'll pull ahead of Arsenal. Arsenal, win or draw, they will keep number one. Very important points here coming up right before the Manchester Derby here on Sunday between United and City. That is my game to really watch for. And then Crystal Palace is going to be hosting Chelsea. I'm really excited to watch that. Crystal Palace has always been a team that I've really been fascinated with. They're not, their start of their season hasn't been great. Kind of expect them to finish in the middle of the table here, but you know, Chelsea, Chelsea's a game there. They, they could give, they could give Chelsea some trouble. So I'm really fascinated with those two games today, Bernie. And I think uh, Arsenal Tottenham definitely takes that, that first spot though. I will mm-hmm. absolutely be tuning into that. That is a heavyweight battle as they come. I want to say we're 56 days away from USA England. It's a Friday, and we're into Saturday now. Wales comes up Friday before. I, Wales up, well, that, yeah, comes yeah, up yeah, before that's November, too, yeah. Correct. That does. That does. Uh, that's, I believe, November 21st. I believe. 21st, and then the 26th is England. It's the day after Thanksgiving, yes, whatever it is. It is the day after Thanksgiving. It's it's going to come up quick, and hopefully by then, Berhalter's got some answers for this roster right now because right, so there weren't we'll be any back. in Saudi Arabia. We'll be back with this report in 24 hours. The way things happen in soccer, no doubt there'll be more news to report uh we do this the final half hour of every show chris perfett's world of soccer coming up we wrap up the show and we've got some tidbits as you head into and look forward to enjoying your college and nfl football weekend weekend including make sure you know your sportsbook rules more important than ever now that hurricane ian may have affected some of these contests and where they're going to be played i will explain i'm bernie Frado. we're coming to you live from the las vegas Fox Sports Radio, TireAct.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. We're back on the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the TireAct.com studios here in Las Vegas. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, Ethan Miller, 
Kevin Figure on the updates and Chris Perfett. They've been with me since 11 p.m. Pacific on Saturday night, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. All right. When you place a bet, make sure you read and know the sportsbook rules, whether it's online, whether it's through an app, whether it's in person at brick and mortar, all sportsbooks post the rules. It's more important than ever when you have a weekend where you have an ur- a Hurricane Ian. For, for, if for any reason a game is moved, the time is moved, the location is moved, the day is moved, whatever the case may be, for any reason, every book's different. Some action, some books may say you've got action no matter what. Some books may say your ticket's void no matter what. Or there might be stipulations like the game must be played within 24 hours of the scheduled date. Or must be played within 100 miles within the scheduled location. Or perhaps a college football week, which is from Tuesday to Monday, as long as the game is played within that time frame, the ticket's good, depending on the book. Got to read the rules. Or an NFL week is considered Thursday through Wednesday. If it's played in that time frame, the, the ticket could be considered action. Again, you got to read the rules. Or if a venue changes, but the home away designation is reversed, sometimes bets placed on the original listing will be canceled. Please read the rules so you don't find yourself in a di- difficult situation. Never throw your ticket away. Always save it. You never know. Uh, you might have a situation where you you can bring it back, and if you have questions, a book will help you. All right. Uh, some things to note, some quick hitters. Uh, by the way, we talked about Tua earlier in the show. Uh, prayers for a fast recovery in the sense that he's normal again because that optic Thursday night is going to stick with us for a while, and I can't unsee that left hand. But by the way, Tua is 9-1 and one as a starter when his last 10 starts prior to Thursday with a passer rating 100.3. By the way, I think the theme this year for the NFL is parity. What if I told you through week three there have been 18 games decided by three points or less, 25 games decided by six points or less, which is a new NFL record, and if you want to add more to the parity designation, what if I told you that 27 teams heading into Thursday, 27 teams are either 2-1 and one or 1-2, one and two, only one winless team after week three, that's the Raiders, only one undefeated team now, that's Philadelphia, that hasn't happened since 1959. It is October, which means we're going to have the fall classic. Dodger fans, beware. The Dodgers won 100 games again this year. They got like 108 now, something like that, which means this is the 10th time in franchise history the Dodgers have won 100 games during the regular season. The only problem, the Dodgers have never won the World Series when they win 100 games or more during the regular season. And as we wait to see if Aaron Judge will hit home run number 62, as there are only a handful of games left, I believe five games left. What if I told you before September, Aaron Judge was walked once every nine at-bats, but in the month of September, Aaron Judge was walked once every 3.9 at-bats, and you can get mad at pitchers. But while in scoring position, Aaron Judge and the hitters behind him were only four for 51 in that stretch. So I guess maybe teams are making his teammates beat you. By the way, if the season ended today and it doesn't, the Jaguars would be 2-1. and one. They'd be AFC South championships and a number two playoff seed. Would that, in fact, be urban renewal? Oh, man, who writes this stuff? Must be time for me to get out of here. All right, great college football weekend ahead. Just moments away. So don't go anywhere. That's going to do it for the Bernie Frado Show. See you in 24 hours. In the meantime, keep it locked. Up next, the great Anthony Gargano.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex.